Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, we're doing something a little bit different today, and it's exciting because we talk about sports and we talk about rules and we talk about history, but very rarely do we get to focus on pure history. And so over the next couple of recordings or as we continue to do these series, we're going to take a moment just to step aside and talk about some of the most important moments in the history of sports, um, whether it be here in the United States or worldwide. Today, we're going to be talking about the Miracle on Ice of 1980, um, where the USA overcame the USSR's hockey um, professional team with college players. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to come clean now because I think this will set everything up for our discussion later and explain a lot. Okay. But this game is of lore to me. Okay. Everyone in my generation knows this game, has maybe seen the movie Miracle, mm-hmm. but we really don't have a full context. At least I didn't growing up as a hockey fan of really what this meant in the moment right. and what it meant culturally and why it still felt to this day. So I thought we'd just kind of go over and you've collected some key points on you know the moment itself mm-hmm. uh, and we're just going to have a discussion about this specific moment in history. Um, but is there anything you want to set up before we dive in? Let's, yeah, no, let's just go right in. Awesome. So one of the things that people need to understand is, number one, well, a few things. Number one, this was long before the internet, before Twitter, before anything like that. So you would pretty much get your news on the 10 o'clock news uh, and in the newspaper. And that was it. So when the Olympics would roll around, a lot of times, I mean, you certainly could watch it at night, but it's not like you could just follow something 24-7 and see updates. So yeah. when these games were going on, it was not always on TV, depending on what time they played. Yeah. So one of the things I saw with that note is it's like the NBA was on tape delay through the 70s. Right. Exactly. Like this was just a very common thing that no yeah. one saw these games. They right. never saw... And he, like, you were in the stadium, you're the only one that saw it. Exactly. Yep. Unreal. And, and they didn't have cell phones, so you couldn't call your buddy from the stadium and say, <laughs> hey, guess who's winning? So <laughs> it was very, it's a very different time then, obviously, than it is now. So that's the, that's the kind of the big thing is that this wasn't like when, when the USA won this game, um, it's not like everyone knew about it instantly, like it would happen today. So mm-hmm. very different there. Number two is that when they played this game, it was... Not the championship game. A lot of people don't realize that. I thought it was. No. Wow. So this game was the semifinals. Okay. So the way they did the pool play and stuff like that, the USA and USSR, which doesn't exist anymore, but Mm -hmm. we'll go into that later, but they were in the same pool. So they ended up playing basically for pool play championship, and then the winner would go on to play the championship game. So the USA, even though they won this game and it was amazing, they still had to win one more game. Wow. And I can't, and I got to tell you, I mean, everyone was a little nervous about that (laughs) because if they lost, they would have gotten silver, which still would have been better than anything else. Yeah, the bronze. Right. But But still, so that was another thing. It's like, you know, we got over this hump, but now we still need to win a game. So um, just a couple things that a lot of people probably didn't know. They probably thought this was the championship game and it wasn't. I definitely thought that way before we came in. So I'm just going to hit on a couple points here that, that people maybe didn't know about the game. First of all, it wasn't broadcast live. Now, the 1980 Olympics were held in the U.S. So you thought, well, why wow. wouldn't it be broadcast live? It wasn't. They taped it, and then they showed it later. Wow. So when we watched the game on TV, this was on February 22, 1980, the game had already been played. 
But wow. again, unless you called someone on the phone who was at the game, you didn't know the outcome. Whoa. It was just never a thing. So um, very strange feeling because it's like, okay, this has already happened like six hours ago, but we're watching it for the first time. Nobody knows the outcome. It was amazing. So very weird feeling back then because it's like, but it was normal. Like yeah. you always had tape delay stuff. Unreal. So very weird. Wow. I just got to like <laughs> process that for a bit. Uh, you know, not just the youth in me, but also just from like NBA history, football history, and knowing games got tape delayed or didn't air when they should have aired. It just kind of is crazy to think that maybe one of the most important games ever played in the history of sports in the United States and hockey period right was not watched live <laughs> was not live just nope. thinking about that is incredible now jim mckay um he was he was a big broadcaster for the olympics and he he did confirm he actually said it on tape so when we watched the tape delay he said that this game is was taped earlier you're watching a tape delay he is quoted saying even if one person doesn't know the outcome it's going to be a great outcome for that person, right? They're going to be amazed. So <laughs> anyway, so that's that's number one, is that games were very regularly tape delayed. Number two, this is kind of a funny one, but right on. there's one celebrity in the crowd. Now today, if you go to the Olympics or certainly any NFL or NBA game, the camera's always finding celebrities in the crowd and all that kind of stuff. Back then, there was only one, and it was Jamie Farr from MASH. <laughs> And he was the only celebrity there. So back wow. then, 1980, it, it wasn't a thing for celebrities and movie stars and whatnot to go. Now, keep in mind, this was in the U.S., so it would have been easy for them to go to the Olympics, and people just kind of didn't do it. It wasn't really a big deal like it is, like a bigger deal than it is today. Wow. It um, just kind of shows who, how almost private this was in a weird way. Like, this really was in a weird way secluded from the eye of the public right? for being such a incredible matchup right and i remember tuning in because i love the olympics so i remember tuning into the news every night at 10 o'clock and they would say okay men's bobsled boom 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 this is who won and that's when you would find out about it wow and it was just very weird so huh. um here's a good one al michaels who obviously is the famous broadcaster who said do you believe in miracles at the end of the game <laughs> he got the job as the broadcaster of the olympic hockey he was the only one in the ABC rotation, who had ever called the hockey game? Wow! So of all the broadcasters ABC had, he was the only one who had ever done hockey. So they're like, "Okay, you have to do it." Because and I never knew Al Michaels was a hockey guy. Yeah, I didn't either. Unreal. But yeah, he was the only one who ever ever called the hockey game. So he got the short straw, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, and what's funny is he had only called one other game. So it's not like he had this whole history of calling oh, hockey. Oh, it's just one. He did one other game, the 1972 hockey game between the USSR and Czechoslovakia. Um, wow. And, yeah, so they're like, well, you called hockey, so you're doing this one too. So, <laughs> um, that That's ridiculous talent if isn't you can that just amazing? walk into it. Yeah. I mean, Al Michaels is, is a legend, and, I mean, I'm, people obviously know of him today with the NFL and stuff like that. But yeah. he used to call all sports. Wow. And, uh and he's he's one of the best, if not if the I, best out there. If I can remember right, he calls one of the NBA finals, and he's one of the only commentators that's given Jordan a really hard time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have to yeah. double check that though. But yeah, it's yeah. unreal how much of a bookmark he is through history when you're watching some of these championship games, and he always seems to be tied to three or four of the most important events yeah. through that decade. You yeah. can't 
not find him for the past like oh, 50 yeah. years I mean, it he's, feels like he like what john madden was to football he is to kind of everything else in the yeah, way baseball uh, broadcasting and, yeah, period broadcasting yeah he's i mean just really great. set a tone yep. so this next one i want to really focus on here because this gets into the details of the game itself and one thing people should know is that the u.s and the soviets or the ussr they played an exhibition game like a week before the Olympics. You're kidding. And the USSR beat beat the U.S. 10 to 3. They killed oh, us. Oh, oh, oh. And you know whose idea that was? Herb Brooks, the coach of the U.S. Really? He wanted to play them as an exhibition game, um, probably because he wanted them to get the butterflies out. They wanted yeah. his players to know what it feels like to be on the ice with the Russians, you know? And they got shellacked. Um, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is the first period um, that Soviets took a 2-1 lead. And I, I completely remember watching this. Mm-hmm. It was coming down to the last few seconds of the first period, and the U.S. had a breakaway. And basically what happened was they scored a goal with like .01 seconds left. And it was, everyone went crazy because we tied it 2-2. Two to two. And I remember the Soviet goalie was, he may have even been coming off the ice or was about to because he's like, oh, it's over. And I remember there was a lot of protests, and they were they were like, "No, that didn't count. That didn't count." And they counted it, and wow. of course, it turned out to be a big part of the game because the U.S. ended up winning four to three. But that last second goal in the first period was really kind of what turned the whole the momentum around because the wow. Soviets had a two-one lead. Everyone was kind of sitting on their hands. They're like, "Oh, here we go again. The Soviets are going to beat us." Boom! We tied it up, going to the first period break, and then we we went on to win. So, Jeez. but that was great. I mean, that was. Boy, you wouldn't. If you've ever seen a place go wild, that was it. Um, Unreal. So, yeah, and then of course, you know, the reaction to the crowd was just crazy. But getting back to Al Michaels, I do want to say that they asked him afterwards. They said, "Did you have that line? Do you believe in miracles scripted? Did you know what you're going to say?" And he said, "I did not." And he said, "Had I had that planned, I wouldn't have said it. It's too corny." Oh, you know? <laughs> he's like, "It, it kind of sounds dumb when I say it now, but yeah. then it was like." That well, was, that yeah, was the line, right? Can I ask you just because we're talking about these moments throughout the game? But do you remember where you were when you saw this game? That's a good question. So I'm probably would have been at my parents' house. I was 12 years old. That was I grew up in. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was there, and we were all there. I mean, it was a big deal to watch this. This. I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Just sorry to impact. I'm, but, yeah. I'm so curious, but yeah, yeah I'll con- let you continue yeah, here. Yeah. And this is this is one of my funniest. I have another fact here about the game, but uh, one of my favorites is that Al Michaels, after he called this game, he didn't leave. He actually had to call the next game, which was Finland Sweden. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he had this huge high of the U.S. winning, and then it's like, oh, I got to do another game. <laughs> and, and then, uh, oh, yeah. Well, so, I'm sure he brought the energy in the first half. Yeah, but what I did want to kind of focus on with with this moment series that we're doing is just you know not only what did the game mean to the sport and of course that was huge but just the culture and the, yeah. and the country and you're probably too young for 9-11 i would mm-hmm. guess but i was three okay so yeah <laughs> forgive me but uh yeah <laughs> uh, i hate you but, <laughs> but you know that something like that clearly the country came together i mean it was probably something we may never see again this was another one of those things for those who don't or weren't around for the 1980 game but you know the cold war was a real thing and it was like 
these constant threats of who's going to launch the nukes first, it was a big deal. And yeah. people were counting up how many we had, how many they had. They had stuff in Cuba. We had stuff here. I mean, it was just, it was almost like a, a daily contest in a way. Yeah. So tensions were high. And uh, this game was, was way more than hockey. I'm sure people have said that many times. I'm just going to repeat it. But it was really about the U.S. sticking it to the USSR um, in whatever way you want to call sticking it to it. But um, it was great. It was it was a very intense time. And after this game, you, you couldn't go down the street and, and not see flags in windows, mm-hmm. people walking around with flag shirts. I mean, just yeah. it was the whole thing. It was well, just great. And remind me, this is also before the Olympics opened up the pro rule, right? right? So. That it came, the Dream Team's the most famous, where they yeah. allowed professionals right. to play in the Olympics. And they nominated some pro leagues are pro and some that are not yes. making however much are not pro. And so the Russians were sending pros. Mm-hmm. And yet the, the U.S. men's team had to send college kids. Right. Which is like the underlying piece of this. I think if you're talking about the victory is the main header. Yeah. The second line in the top of the paragraph is, a bunch of college kids beat some pros, kids, yes. uh, grown men from the USSR. And, and that was kind of this underdog story that we hadn't had yep. in years, especially coming out of like the 60s and the 70s where we had Ali and we had Frazier and we had boxers. We had these guys standing on their own. And the underdog was always this other dude fighting against the champ. Right. And now we're going up against a USSR team that's not only repeated champions, if I remember right, mm-hmm. but they're grown men who are professionals and this is their career. And we feel violated that our league is too, is it too good? Or, yeah. or, or is theirs not considered? What is this yeah. dynamic? It felt unfair. And now you actually, for the first time in a long time, get to say the USA was an underdog oh, coming clearly, into this game. Clearly. It wasn't even, I mean, it was no question. They were the underdogs with a lot of other teams, um, really? not just the Russians, but that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So the U.S. won the gold in 1980. Mm-hmm. Last time they had won the gold was 1960, so it wow. was 20 years before then. And funny story, I don't know, most people may not know this, but Herb Brooks, the coach of the team, he was on the 1960 team. Really? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you're right. It was all, we. the U.S. had this policy, we don't send professionals to the Olympics. It's all amateurs. So they would pick co- the best college players. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen the movie. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. It's called Miracle. But it's they don't just pick all the players from one team they picked the best players from minnesota and mm-hmm. boston and all these other places this and hodgepodge the group. hodgepodge group many of these guys had played against each other and frankly didn't like each other <laughs> and the movie does a great job of depicting that yeah and then they finally come around and start acting like a team right and that's kind of the underlying plot to the whole movie is we came together, and even though we had many different backgrounds and some guys just didn't like each other because they met earlier that year and it was the whole thing. Yeah. But, but it was great. It was, it was, I mean, just one of the most amazing things I probably will ever experience is that 1980 win. And then, of course, we went on to beat, I believe it was Finland in the, for the gold medal game. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about this, I graduated from grade school i don't know if you call it graduated but i ended grade school in 1983 okay and her brooks from minnesota he was our commencement speaker that's for, awesome yeah I, it was a little tiny school we had like 30 kids in our class but he did the commencement speech you want to know a funny connection we have then to her brooks let's hear it i went uh one of my lab partners when i went to school was his granddaughter 
Oh, nice. So cool. I didn't know who Herb was back then. What? Because I was young. You know? <laughs> okay, sure, sure. And I grew up kind of a, a 50-50 hockey kid. Right. Because my dad was a huge hockey fan and knew about the miracle, but he never really told me the full story until we were at a college game. And I've told you this story before, and I'm going to have to get my dad's interpretation of the story, but one of the players from the miracle walked in. Yes. And it was one of the weirdest... Well, I should say it like this. It's different when you see the male figure or your predominant figure in your life, whether it be your mom, your dad, Mm -hmm. grandfather, whoever it might be, and their behavior changes in a matter of moments Mm -hmm. because they see someone. Right. I've never seen my dad like that. And my dad's not really a sports fan. You know, he doesn't care about football, basketball. He doesn't, you know, I'm the only one. I drag him along for the ride. Right. But for hockey, when... This player walked in. I wish I had the name off the top of my Michael head. Michael Ruzioni? Maybe. No? Okay. I, he grew up, or he lives in the town I grew up in now. Okay. So I'll have to follow up with you. Right. But I remember this guy walking in. He was no bigger than my dad, just, you know, yeah. little muscle. Yeah. And the whole room changed. Yeah. Like that whole room changed. And I didn't know, you know? So I'm like, what's going on? There's yeah. a hockey game being played. <laughs> Who's this dude? And that's like, he yes. was a part of the Miracle Team. Miracle Team. It's all you got to say. Yeah. And I know I know. even to this day, those those guys uh, still get together. I'm sure they will when the Winter Olympics roll around all the time. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a great thing. It's just really very cool. So, yeah. But yeah, and then after, they, after 1980, they said, okay, we can now start letting professionals mm-hmm. compete in the Olympics. And then now it's all changed. And, yeah, yeah it, it definitely is. I have these this term back when I was writing of like, the capital moment, right? The, right? These capital moments when you have to put the text in full capital letters of recognize this yes. or a pinnacle moment is another yes. great word for it. Is this a pinnacle moment for hockey in, in terms of its history? Do you think a lot of hockey changes after this? Honestly, no. I don't really? think hockey changes after this. I think there was more interest, of course, but of course. I think the NHL really didn't suddenly become more popular. You know, I'm, maybe I'm a interested bit. you said that. Yeah, because yeah. whenever I think of this moment, and again, not knowing a ton, right. obviously, like with, with care here, right. it's very rare that a moment like this happens, and it's just a moment, and yeah. we celebrate it. It's incredible. But then there's no reverberation from it, right? The 1992 Dream Team. Yeah. You know, within eight years, we've got Dirk Nowitzki in the league. Yeah. You know, we get yeah. Steve Nash from Canada. We get international players that come in. Right. And I feel like, it, I'm not trying to, like, dismiss this game, but I think this is one of the weird capital moments in the history of hockey that we just go, it, it's just out of time, out of place. It, it's so random in the way that it happened, except yeah. for... When you start talking about the cultural points, right. it did all these things I'm talking about for other sporting events. It did for the culture and it didn't do for the sport, which is crazy for me to believe. Right. It's certainly the popularity of hockey rose after this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of 12 year old kids who went out and wanted to play on the hockey team. Yeah. Sure. But I think just as a whole, it wasn't like it wasn't like an impact like Tiger had on golf, where now suddenly everyone's That's a great golfing, one. Right? That's a great one. But it was more, honestly, it was more less about hockey and more about U.S. versus USSR. It yeah. was, we, we got them. You know, we wow. won the Cold War in a way. It, yeah. was, it was just really weird. But it yeah. was a break in yeah. just the constant fear. 
constant fear. It really was. It was like, you know what? We can beat these guys. Wow. Both on the rink and you know, <laughs> with the bombs. Yeah, I, I don't know. Filling yeah. fill it here with more cold shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, I got it. I mean, I, I hope there's something like this for people today to to go through and experience. There may never be, but yeah. it was just it was just one of those things where, and, and if people go back, I will caution you if you go back and watch the game, which I strongly encourage people to do. Yes, it's not the same kind of coverage you're going to see on a sports no, game today. There's okay. no scoreboard. There's no, no. timer. There's nothing. It's no. just raw hockey, and it's so out of focus. Yeah, and it's the cameras blurry, aren't good. You can't see this, and it's it's rough, and you know the it, broadcast <laughs> isn't very good. Even though we got some legends manning the helm, right. like they just don't. The no. science isn't there. So don't don't be surprised that it's not what you're going to see if you turn on ESPN today, and now it's got high def TV, and you got 50 cameras. It's not that. Okay. I. So. All the more reason. Yeah. And can I ask, I'm trying to formulate the question the best way I can because I'm, I'm doing this on the fly, but I, I would like to ask you, is this a game that if you recorded it back in 1980, you would keep up until today? On a, No question. No question. No you would keep it as a sports fan. Heck yeah. Right I, would, I would keep it and I probably would have watched it a few times, even though I really? know the outcome. It was just such a great, their strategy. I mean, I know there's yes. a lot of strategy in hockey, but... And you see this in the movie a lot. It's like mm-hmm. it wasn't just throwing some guys out there and the better players won. It was, I mean, Herb Brooks did an amazing job managing this game. I mean, if if I would almost say he won, they won because of coaching in a way, because he's he's a he's like a chess player. He's moving mm-hmm. guys in and out constantly, and it wasn't. Um, I mean, had he not done that, they wouldn't have won. I mean, do you think? And sorry to keep redirecting no. this. I'm just, um, yeah. You got my curiosity going. Do you think out of all of the guys on this team, coaches included, he's the winning guy out of all of this? Like he he takes the moment and he runs the furthest with it. Because I feel like this is when he became a legend For in sure. a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, this definitely put him on the map. But he was a very kind of quiet, shy guy. He didn't want the attention. Um, mm-hmm. Not like some of the other players on the team. Um, there's a kind of a side story. They don't show, They don't highlight this a lot in the movie as much as they did when it was actually going on, but the goalie, Jim Craig, he had some family stuff going on and whatever, and he, he was kind of, every team sort of has the, um, not celebrity, but just kind of the, the attention guy, and he was yeah. he was getting all the camera time, I guess is the <laughs> best way to put it. And I think Herb Brooks liked that. I don't think mm. he wanted to be in the spotlight. Got um, it. So, yeah. Another thing that is just so fascinating, because I usually would work with basketball, is you usually see, a coach or a superstar. Our favorite to talk about right now is the bad boys. The Detroit right. bad boys of, of 88, 89, 90. Right. And who's the guy that runs with the torch the longest? I would say it's actually Chuck Daly because he becomes a legendary coach. And because he wins those two titles, he gets the dream team. Right. 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 And then Isaiah doesn't, what he does, he actually gets pushed off the dream team. And in a lot of ways becomes uh. one of the most underrated guards of all time. And then we can say the rest for other players on the team. Right. Rodman included kind of goes into a dark era where mm-hmm. he goes to San Antonio, he gets lost, and then he gets brought back by the Bulls because that's the only team that will have him. Right, right. So forgive me for using other methods no, to kind of yeah. poke at you, but I do think that's one of the things that jumps out to me the most about this team is it truly was light switch went on, a team came to be, and then in a matter of moments – the moment they were gone, but right. the moment was still here. 
which right. is so rare, yeah. especially in modern day sports, where we don't see people that right. are just running with the torch and trying to cash out with it as much as they can, no. for good and for worse. Yeah. But this really is a true moment. It, it's and a true it, moment. It yeah. disappears. It disappears, and and keep in mind these guys weren't paid anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they had to pay to pay their way to the Olympics. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But <laughs> but they weren't making any money. And wow. you know they trained as the movie depicted. They trained for about a year, mm-hmm. and had some exhibition games in there and stuff. And then the Olympics is like a twelve day or two week event. Yeah, it's so quick. So it's like you're in there. It's this huge thing, and all the guys just kind of scan. I mean. They went back to their teams. You know, some yeah. guys went to the NHL. Some guys played overseas, whatever. And it was it was over. It wasn't like there was this Chicago Bulls where you have a whole decade of yeah. You know, and the now same we're players. making documentaries right. and we're talking about Scottie Pippen's book, <laughs> right? And Michael, right. No, you know, no, you can't really find Michael, and that's yeah. a story. He yeah. owns the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Like it's just so. At least for me, on my eye, it's so amazing that this really is the perfect episode to start with when we're talking about moments, mm-hmm. because it truly is an iconic moment. And then just like that, it was gone. If you had to take the the top ten moments in mm. the twentieth century, oh, this I mean, I know it, there's it, a lot of them, but I yeah. this has to be top five. I just can't imagine it not being. It definitely has to be there. I think it's like Ollie and Frazier. Yep. I think it's Babe Ruth pointing that yep. legend. Yep. I think this is in there somewhere. Yep. I, I think. I mean, I don't have anything for the NFL. The NFL has just like these years of just outstanding yeah. greatness. Yeah. That nothing won. Maybe Joe jump. Namath predicting Super Bowl win. Maybe, Maybe. I also yeah. would say Jim Brown. Yeah. You know, Jim Brown should yeah. be in there. Like, there's a lot of football where it cannibalizes itself. Yeah. The NBA sneaks in there maybe late with Magic and Bird. Yeah. But it's a yeah. big old maybe. Yeah. Bill Russell probably. Yeah. But even then, I don't know. This one seems to pop in a way that's just differently because like Bill Russell and like Muhammad Ali and like Babe Ruth, this is one of the moments that it impacted culture and it actually changed it in a way. It did. And it's so rare that you find anything like that. You know, Michael was definitely somebody that we can bring into change culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Allen Iverson changed some culture, but in a different way. But this is like one of the truest forms and purest forms of it. And I think the only people that can be compared to this maybe is Ali Yeah. in in terms of what he meant to the country. Absolutely. But I I mean, as we do more moments, I'm sure we'll kind of build our list out. But I think this is the perfect one to start with because it is such a moment. Yep. Yep. Well, that was a great start. (laughs) And we could sit here and talk for hours about this. It was We got to be careful. Amazing. But yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing some old sure. memories too along the way. I know Absolutely. I kind of prodded with you, but I think again, it's it's just an incredible thing. And if you haven't seen the game, go back and watch it. I highly recommend it. I actually saved it to a, oh, a flash great. drive. Perfect. A <laughs> little it. modern day. Yeah. Um, but I plan on keeping it in my library for a very very long time. Yeah. Um, but with that, are there any parting thoughts or any last notes that you want to talk over before we head out? Uh, I don't think so. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at that'sadumrule.com. Otherwise, tune in next time for another dumb rule.